Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetics industry. This is episode 301. I'm your host, Valerie George, and with me today is Perry Romanowski. Hi, Perry. Hello, Valerie. It's good to see you're off the road now. That yeah. was a long drive you had there, but uh, we'll talk about it in the chit chat. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're both back from vacation, so we're going to spend some time to connect together, uh, talk to our fans, and answer some questions about how do magnetic eyelashes work? Can red light make your hair grow? What home treatments are as good as what you would get from an esthetician? And is it fine to cut your hair at home? But first, post-vacate chit-chat. So I just got back from a drive to Florida. I was speaking at a conference there about leadership in the lab space. It was really cool to uh, meet scientists from different disciplines. But Mr. Cosmetic Chemist and I drove there, and then we drove back. Driving is like, it's like what, one state away? No, that's like, <laughs> it's, it's like thousands of miles. How far was that? Literally across the country. It was like 2,900 miles to Miami. Okay. We brought oh. Kukla with us. Kukla oh, is yeah. our dog. And we made sure she touched the ground in every state. Oh, that's nice. She peed in every state for sure. <laughs> and and uh, no, we just had a good time. We took off roads. We tried to see the countryside. We worked while we were remote. It was fun. Well, that sounds like a fun trip. I actually did a trip to Kansas City. It was a nice driving trip. And you know what the biggest challenge of that was? What? Finding somebody to take care of the Kit Kat. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about your new kitty. Yeah. So... At the sh- we got this new kitty at the shelter. He his name was Ted. Okay, did you keep it? I expanded it, so now okay. his name is Ted Theodore Logan. So his name's Ted Ted Logan. Well, it's Theodore <laughs> Logan. You know, Theodore Logan's his proper name, but it's Ted Theodore Logan. Have you seen the uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure series? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Aww. Actually, my. The name I wanted to go with, but this was kind of nixed, was Catpernicus. No. You know, like, no. Yeah, Copernicus, yeah. Okay, that's good. She said no. Um, (laughs) But, you know, Bill and Ted's is cool because I think Ted has some good hair. Oh, yeah, he he definitely does. And this this cat is like a, a fluffy, fluffy, fluffy guy. So, So we have a cat, and I found out... One of the Porch Kitty crew, uh, a, a cat that I called Tuxedo, yeah. who I thought was a boy cat. It looks like he's pregnant. So, oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So, so I got. I think I have to catch these cats and get them spayed or neutered. So, yeah, that would be great. I'd help support that. I yeah, definitely would. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, let's head over to some beauty science news. We have a big show to cover today. All right, what did you see on your travels? Well, I did notice a celeb launch, and I feel like we talked about this one before, maybe like last year when we saw the news first breaking, or maybe we saw a trademark come through. Uh, But Scarlett Johansson's line is in Sephora. At least that was the big launch. And her her line is called The Outset, in case uh, you weren't sure. It has a micellar cleanser, a vegan collagen serum, a squalane-based moisturizer, a niacinamide night cream, and a vitamin C uh, eye cream. And according to Scarlett Johansson, the outset delivers exactly what consumers want. 
a clean, non-irritating line of essentials. That's the everyday foundation for great skin. Sounds exciting. I mean, uh, so it's a skincare line, right? And she has good skin, although all movie stars do, don't they? <laughs> well, if they don't have great skin, they cover it up. That's, right. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you have to use special makeup for to, to appear good on film. Like, do you I, get special reflectors or anything like that? I think there is special makeup. You know, it'd be cool, it'd be cool to do more about that for our show. Yeah. I yeah. imagine you could incorporate some mica or titanium dioxide, get a little glowing or something like that. For, for sure. And I definitely think there's a lot of technique associated with it, too, because, you know, the cameras flood out your skin and you, you might need some certain color. I'm sure we have some makeup artist fans who know a lot more than me sure. and you about it. <laughs> Incidentally, we first covered this on show 270 for the people who are curious. All right, all right. So, uh, so now it's actually making some making some rounds into the market. So that's exciting. Oh, very cool. What'd you see? Well, uh, there were a few things I saw. Remember, we used to do a, a segment. We've done a couple of segments. The kitchen chemistry hack, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Our fans weren't total fans of that because they, <laughs> you know, and really the point of us doing this initial segment that we had was to show how it's, you know, and I'm a big believer in making your own products for sure. But there are some that are just really bad, like uh, making nail polish with Sharpie markers and and that (laughs) kind of stuff. Wasn't there the melt crayons and put it on your lips or something like to make (laughs) lipstick? Yeah. Yeah. Bad bad ideas. Yeah. Uh, Well, here is one. I'm curious to get your uh, spin on it, but, uh, you know, TikTok really sets the news for almost everything in the beauty industry these days, it seems. Well, even in politics, but go figure. But anyway, here's one. What do you think of this hair slugging? We talked about skin slugging a few episodes ago, but that has branched out to become hair slugging. And this is the notion where you put an oil in your hair, you wrap your hair overnight, you let it soak overnight. Preferentially in a sock. In a sock. In a sock. No, wait a second. So it can't be like a cotton sock or something, right? Or nylon. Isn't it going to just leak all over your pillow? It just says, put your hair in a sock. And I'm thinking, I don't really wear socks, first of all. But when I do, I wear these no-show socks. My hair's not going to fit in that. So I'm thinking it's like an ordinary tube sock. Okay, wait a second. You don't wear socks? I, I hate not wearing socks. In fact, I wear socks as much as I possibly can. Well, I I bet you wear them with sandals too, huh? Much to my wife's chagrin. Yes, oh she, my gosh, I totally is. pictured you doing that, and I pictured right. Uh, well, you know, in California, <laughs> I, I wear a lot of, you know, if I'm not at work in a lab, uh, you know, I'm wearing sandals. My feet are usually free uh, because it's warm outside, but I hate uh, the feeling of my ankles being covered. I have my whole life. Uh, I just don't like things touching my ankles. So I wear when I wear closed toed shoes, I wear no show socks. And when I was with my mom's family in Germany, um, I I went to this shoe store and was getting uh, my shoe fitted and they were like, Oh, you have to put socks on not to try on the shoes, but to like get the right fit. And I was like, no, these are socks. And they were like, no, you need socks. (laughs) And I'm like, no, these are socks, but they're just like little, you know, they just cover the toes and cover that heel. That's it. It's a it's a wisp of fabric. <laughs> yeah. It's more like a band-aid, right? They're like so <laughs> tiny and Mr. Cosmetic Chemist does the laundry and um hates looking for them. But anyway, those aren't the oh. kind of socks that you would put on hair for hair slugging. Um you would put on like a tube sock and secure it with preferably a scrunchie. 
Yeah, and so the question is, is there any legitimacy to this? And I, I got to figure, you know, the thing about the oil is once you put the oil on, it's, it's pretty much going to do all it's going to do within the first 10 minutes or something. Yeah. Leaving it on for hours, I don't, I don't see any extra benefit in that. Well, I think, um, you know, the whole premise is you're putting an excess amount of oil on your hair. And the reason to do this at nighttime is because oil can make your hair, make most people's hair look stringy, greasy, unattractive. And so to me, if you do this at night, that's actually the best time because it's not necessarily a time factor. You're right. At some point, you know, within the hour, two hours, whatever is going to penetrate, if anything, Right. is going to max out. But the benefit is you're not going out in public and you don't have to walk around your house with your hair being a greasy mess and feeling repulsive. <laughs> so you just, uh, you know, put your head on your pillow and, and go do that. I think it's a little different from face slugging, you know, where you put Vaseline or a petrolatum based product all over your face. It's different in that with skin, I think there's an immediate benefit immediate overnight, I guess I should say, where you have reduced any sort of transepidermal water loss. Exactly. Yeah. You're going to get moisturizing. But with hair, there's no benefit to putting oil on your hair except for lubricating it to reduce breakage. And so for me, you might as well just put a little bit of oil on your hair and wear it during the day where your hair is going through all this mechanical motion versus wearing it at night and then washing it out. You know, maybe you can get some beneficial compounds to penetrate, but I think when you're active and your hair is moving and and having, you know, a comb go through, that's the best time to put an oil in your hair. Yeah, and you know, for combing, it's mostly this, it's like a surface thing. You want the surface covered. You don't really need it to penetrate. So I don't see any huge benefit to this, especially if you're going to condition your hair anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So, but anyway, I think it'll be a short lived trend. I think it'll be much shorter lived than um, skin slugging, but they, they had to create something, right? Got to keep the news yeah. going with all the weird, just, weird trends. just sounds like a lot of work for no benefit. Yeah. And people have been doing it for a long time. It's not, it's not new. People have been oiling their yeah. hair for thousands of years. So sure. I think my dad used to use Vitalis and he would like slick back his hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the, the fifties. What, what, a, yeah. what a decade. My dad was in the military, so he didn't really have hair. Oh. <laughs> So. You know who the president was in the 1950s? Dwight Eisenhower. Yeah, he uh, also did president not have Richard hair. Richard Nixon, who knew that? <laughs> yeah. Did I mention I memorized all the presidents and all the vice oh, presidents? Oh, gosh. With your memory castle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I have four memory castles now. The All the countries and their capitals, all the elements, all the winners of Baseball World Series, and now all the presidents and vice presidents. Does it still work? What is the capital of Vietnam? Hanoi. Cambodia. Cambodia is Phnom Penh. Where are you in your castle when you were called that? Phnom Penh is in my basement uh, (laughs) right next to the cat food. (laughs) The cat food for the cat that you did not own at the time. Right, right. Well, that was for the outdoor cats. And Vietnam, that's located in my wine uh, my wine rack. Oh, nice. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I have to try this. (laughs) <laughs> it's um, it's really quite amazing. Well, we have a bit of, uh, an, I don't know if it's a new segment, but I, I think we want to talk about just some things that are going on in the legal space of the industry. 
But you know what? Let's call it a new segment, and I'll put in some music, and we're going to call this Companies Behaving Badly. So who is being naughty? Well, are you familiar with a sunscreen company named Badger? I am. They do a lot of natural products, and unfortunately, I most remember them from 2013 when they had to do a very large product recall because they had a lot of uh, contaminated products and they needed to get them back off the market. And I thought, oh, yikes, not adequate preservation, probably not great manufacturing practices, or one or the other, or both. And that's mostly how I know Badger. Yeah, and I recall that event too, because uh, I got into a little Beauty Brains Twitter spat with the company, because I was... That's back when I would shame people on Twitter uh, back in like 2013. So that was a long time ago. But I shamed them for not using proper preservation. (laughs) And, you know, we got into a little spat about it. So that kind of died off. So that's how I remember them. You know, they have the whole natural bent. The packaging looks nice. But mainly I know them for sunscreens. And this is what really kind of bugs me about the company is that sunscreen is a regulated over-the-counter drug. And they're targeting their products for children, or babies and children. Yeah. And when you're doing, when that's your customer, you got to be extra careful. And if you're not going to use proper preservation, that's really bad. And I thought, you know, they had the big recall in 2013. Perhaps that made them change their ways. But this letter that I saw published by the FDA suggests that maybe they haven't really changed their ways. Yeah, it's really tough. So so by the way, we're not shaming them because they had a recall. Stuff stuff happens. And sure, you know, yeah, I've, recalls I've, happen. I've had to work at a brand where recalls have happened and there's a lot of reasons for them, but you do your best to move away from it, document the incidences, make corrections. That's the whole point, right? Is you the FDA comes on site, they tell you everything you did wrong. And they say, we're going to come back in a certain time period, and you better have this stuff fixed. And if you don't, that's when they get ugly and issue these these warning letters. So the thing about it that that it also is interesting to me is you see all the time the fake claim that cosmetics are not regulated. And clearly they are regulated. The FDA yeah. can actually go in and inspect your facilities, uh, especially if you're producing an over-the-counter drug, which sunscreens are considered. And by the way, they do. They do. And so what we're really pointing at is this isn't the first time you know, that they've been a little under the, right. under the magnifying glass here. And I hope they take this warning letter very seriously that they... You know, this isn't trivial stuff, right? This is the, yeah. for the safety of people. They're basically trying to produce a drug, at least according to the FDA, without using good manufacturing processes, GMP. And uh, hopefully a letter like this will inspire them to clean up their practices. I hope it does. I hope they can do better. It's not a good spot to be in if you're a brand, that's for sure, which is why I hope they... You know, they get all their ducks in a row. And there are many people in the industry who would be happy to consult for them and help them do that. There are. Yes. Not yes. me, because and, that's not what I do. But there, sure. you know, there are people that specialize in, in helping facilities get everything, get everything straight. And most importantly, getting people on board with the changes. Right. And it's definitely something that the company can do. 
Um, and so hopefully they take this warning and they do that, and then you can feel safer about uh, Badger products. Uh, so there you go. Companies behaving badly. All right. I think we have one other thing going on. Lawsuits, which are oh, seem to be prevalent. Oh, the lawsuit segment. Yeah. There's so many. Aren't there? So lots of lawsuits going on in the space. And often, um, you know, we like to talk about these lawsuits because sometimes, and probably sometimes is being generous and that I think it's most of the time, I feel like it is really a gimmick just for people to get more money from big corporations. And, you know, I've worked at a brand that, you know, a lot, lots of companies have had lawsuits and a lot of brands that I have sure. worked for have had them. It is a way for people to make money. It, it really is. Well, we've talked about a bunch of lawsuits over the years and, I think usually our spin on the lawsuit is, oh, this is a ridiculous lawsuit. I remember we talked about the L'Oreal lawsuit where somebody was suing them because they <laughs> thought the products were made in France. Remember this? They thought the products were French, right. but they're made and in America. Put, yeah. It's like, <laughs> or the Clinique lawsuit where they said, oh, your product's not oil-free because you have oil-soluble ingredients in them. Right, right. <laughs> That's not as bad as the L'Oreal lawsuit, though. That's bad. No, the L'Oreal one was bad. I mean, there's also the... And then there's the ones where it's, you know, nebulous, where companies are going to sue you for making your hair fall out because you used formaldehyde preservatives, which there's no proof that that actually happened, but they got sued for that. So typically our position on these, or at least my position on these lawsuits, is that they're they're just ridiculous lawsuits with very little proof. But... This lawsuit is a little bit different, I thought. The company is being sued for including color additives that are not allowed to be used around the eye area. And that company is, uh, how do you pronounce that? Morphe? Morphe, yeah. Morphe. Yeah, have you used Morphe uh, makeup or whatever? You know, I've not, but one of my assistants in my lab, his uh, wife was a huge fan. And so for work, I would have to go to Ulta and Sephora and buy competitor products. So I would literally sure. have like tens and thousands of points. And so I, at <laughs> Ulta, you could use your Ulta points to like buy stuff. And so I would buy uh, some Morphe stuff for his, for his wife <laughs> to give him the points. Yeah. But what's cool about this law, I don't want to say what's cool about this lawsuit. What's neat about this lawsuit is it actually has some merit. And that is because People think, you know, oh, the U.S. is unsafe. They don't regulate things. Colorants are highly regulated in the United States. Yeah, particularly the stuff that goes uh, on your skin. In fact, the, the FDA was created mostly because people were getting harmed by the color additives that would be putting in products. And so that sort of launched the FDA. Exactly. You can go onto the FDA website, actually, and you can look at all the colorants that are ever imported into the United States, and most of them are. They're they're not made here, so they have to be imported, and they actually do check every lot of color that comes in, and they provide strict guidance on how you can use those colorants, what parts of the body they can go on to. Some cannot go on eyes. Some cannot go on lips very highly regulated. So the lawsuit alleges that the application of Morphe Cosmetics at issue to a person's eye area, that's very legal term, (laughs) can cause severe eye irritation, skin discoloration, staining rashes, allergic reactions, and other painful, embarrassing conditions that can reportedly last days. So they're saying that Morphe has 
created this product that they're telling people to put on around their eyes using color additives that are not approved for eye use. Exactly. And so what they did is they, they tried to get around this, hey, there's pigments you can't use around the eye, and they created something called pressed pigments. Uh, not eyeshadow, they're just calling right. it pressed pigments, which, you know, uh, theoretically you could put on your cheeks or your forehead or your nose. Right. So, <laughs> so I guess it could be a way that a blush would be like that, right? Right, right. Right. But then in advertisements and online tutorials, they're saying, hey, put these on your on your peepers. <laughs> right. Well, I, they also had a warning on their website. Um, they don't have it on the packaging, but they say, caution, pressed pigments are not intended for use in the eye area. So, you know, they are are saying that. It's, it's just weird. They're showing people using it around the eyes. They're telling people how to do that. And they're saying, oh, yeah, you, you can't use this by your eyes. It seems yeah. like a bad message. Well, what happened is someone probably came up with the idea. Regulatory said, hey, uh, you can't use this in the eye area. And so they said, hey, we'll put this warning on our website, which is a common point of purchase. You can't get Morphe products in other retail locations. So it'd be interesting to see if the warning is also at that point of purchase. But you can't contradict it with showing someone with eyeshadow on their eyes and and pressed pigments, you know, either on the eyes or in other areas of the face. And then, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do, right? That still can't right. be a basis for for creating a product. So very very interesting. We'll see what happens. Well, I wonder if we'll know what will happen. We often hear these lawsuits get started. We don't know what happens with them often. A lot of times they get settled. So we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, see see what happens there. So interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's head to some beauty questions. All right, Valerie. I've got we got a couple of audio questions. So let's start with this first one from Ashley. So I have a. A uh, question that I want to ask. Uh, actually, before the question, shout out to Valerie and Perry. You guys are like my uh, spirit animals. So thank you so much for doing a wonderful educational podcast. Thoroughly enjoy it. Anyway, to the question, I have been curious about the magnetic lashes and um, the eyeliner that sticks with it, the mag- magnets on the lashes. Like, why does that, how? Can you explain to me how that works? And obviously it's safe, but like, what's in that? (laughs) Thanks. Love you guys. Bye. Well, thanks for that. Magnetic eyelashes. Have you used these, Valerie? I haven't, but I've kind of always wanted to try them. But I just, I had false eyelashes one time and it wasn't even a full like strip. It wasn't even a full lash. It was like little tiny, you know, insertions to just make my lashes look fuller. And I... I just felt so ridiculous. Yeah. Well, this, I, I didn't really know much about it. I, uh, uh, to be honest, I've never tried magnetic eyelashes. I've never tried any, you know, artificial eyelashes either. So I had to talk to my wife about this. And I had to also do a little sleuthing online to see people who have that. And I did see this excellent 
tutorial on how to put them together. Uh, she probably doesn't need any advertisement, but uh, yeah, she did a good job. Uh, get glammed up on YouTube. She's got like 180,000 <laughs> subscribers. But Oh, nice. But she showed a, a good demonstration of how these things are put on, and it's from that you can tell how they work. So essentially, what these, these are false eyelashes, which have a magnet at the end. Yep, at the base. So they have two pieces. So each eyelash will, you'll put the top piece on, and it has a magnet there, and then you put the bottom piece on, and the magnet sort of clamps on your hair. And then you kind of sort of rough it all together and, and blend it in, and that's how they were. So it's just two magnets sticking on top of each other um, and being held on to the eyelashes uh, with the hair. Yep. The other technique is that you could use a magnetic eyeliner along the lash line, and then you would just stick to stick the lashes to the magnetic eyeliner on your skin. What's nice about these is it allows kind of a glueless option for people because eyelash glues, people can be allergic to them due to the acrylate content that is present in the, in the eyelash glue. So people can't use traditional or, you know, conventional eyelashes or eyelash extensions, but these magnetic lashes, as Perry indicated, really are just, uh, sticking, sticking to themselves a little bit and relying on your own eyelashes to be adhered to it. Right. And it would seem in contrast to the glue, the glue goes on your skin above your, you know, your lashes, right? And then it kind of, st- so the false eyelash will stick. It's really sticking to your skin. It's not sticking to your hair. Yeah. So then when you pull it off, that's not going to pull your eyelashes out, which yeah. is nice. But I've I've heard reported that that kind of hurts. <laughs> yeah, it can. I remember when I had to remove the eyelash extensions that I had, it was just like, ow, 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 because I, I just had to take them off. You know, there are cons to using magnetic lashes. Um, Like any principle, easy on, probably easy off. And so, you know, they could disconnect and and fall off of the lash. They do also, I've read, require a lot of uh, trimming and shaping to try to fit your eye. Whereas I feel like other lash strips can be more customizable um, or even like the little singular lashes that you could uh, stick in your lashes to extend them or to make them look more fuller is more customizable. And this is more of like a one fits all um, solution. And it looked a little tricky to get the one to balance on and then get the other one on there and you're sticking stuff by your eye. (laughs) It just seems like it takes a little practice. And I have read that some people can be irritated by the magnetic eyeliner. So that could also be worth looking to, but I feel like it would be less than people sensitive to acrylic but I don't have any data on that. So the magnetic eyeliners, uh, presumably put some, uh, so, so the eyelash would have a little magnet on it at the base. It's at the base, And yep. then the eyeliner would be, you know, essentially magnetized, have some uh, metals incorporated into it that are magnetic and it would stick to the metal. Yeah. Or the I wonder. I wonder if it goes off in any kind of airport security. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> or... <laughs> If you hold your credit card up to your eyes, is that going to like demagnetize your card? Could you imagine? (laughs) Yeah. Oops. Yeah. You know, speaking of that, I dropped my credit card out when I was running. I lost it, and somebody found it, tracked me down on Facebook, and returned my credit card. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. I wish you would have done it two days earlier before I canceled my credit card. (laughs) (laughs) 
But it was it was a nice gesture. I wonder if she Googled you and she's a fan of the show. She Facebooked me. She found me on Facebook. Oh, that's cool. Well, our next question comes to us from Natasha. Natasha says, Hi, Valerie and Perry. Huge fan of the show all the way from Tanzania. I've always wanted to go there. Capital of which is uh, Dodoma. Oh, cool. All right. I have a question about red light therapy. I've read numerous benefits for using red light therapy on your face as well as your head, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the hair growth benefits specifically. For the head, red light therapy is touted to encourage new hair growth, but doesn't that mean it can also do the same for the face? Thanks. Interesting question. The laser hair growth, there is that laser hair max product. Yeah, I've seen one that's in the shape of a ball cap. Right. And you put it on your head. They say it's FDA approved. Yeah, but I've seen no evidence that these things actually work to make your hair grow. Yeah, very slim evidence. But when they say FDA approved, that just means that the laser is approved to to be sold as a medical device. It doesn't mean that it's going to actually work. But they they must sell a lot of them. Like that, remember that Sky, uh, what was that, Sky Mall magazine that yeah. they give you on airports? They'd always yeah. be selling all these laser hair growth things. But yeah. uh, there's there's no, uh, no good evidence that, uh, you know, zapping your hair with a laser is going to make your hair grow. You know, I actually tasked one of my chemists to look into this one time because they had wanted to purchase one of these devices for themselves. And, you know, when your hair is thinning, you really will do anything to, you'll try anything to try to get it to to go back. So I understand why people are buying these devices, but he was like, should I get one? Should I get one? And I was like, well, you should really look in the literature before you drop some coin on that. And he did. And he came back and said, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to pass on this. There's not really a lot of proof that it works. And I was like, there you go, you know, so, but we do know that light does visible light meaning light that's colored does have some benefit for skin right for sure um and in fact you go to dermatologists and they will sometimes do laser treatments and things but i think the concern is that if this red light therapy gets on your face is it going to make the hair grow on your face (laughs) so i don't i don't think that's a if it worked it could be a worry right right since it it doesn't work work Right, that would be something to worry about. Although I have to say, like facial hair, you have a lot fewer hair follicles on your face, or a lot lower density. So it's not like it's gonna create new hair follicles where there aren't. So if if you don't have a fuzzy face, even if this did work to grow hair, it wouldn't uh, grow that. But now, if you have like areas of hair uh, with follicles on your face, yeah, but then those will grow. Uh, but in general, you know, areas that don't have hair, this is not going to create new hair follicles. No, but red light does do something. We did see a review article published in the Journal of Photodermatology, Photoimmunology, and Photomedicine. I'd probably shorten that to, to right. something about <laughs> that's, th- that's three a, photos. <laughs> I wonder if uh, I wonder if they do any photoshopping in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this review article was called Effects of Visible Light on Mechanisms of Skin Photoaging, where researchers looked at various light treatments and how they might affect the skin. Right. They looked at red light, blue light, yellow light, all of the different kinds of lights. And they did find that red light, which has the longest wavelength in the visible light spectrum, is reported to be restorative to the skin by stimulating cell growth, reducing inflammation, 
accelerating wound healing, and reducing skin fibrosis. So red light can actually do something. They have red light therapy, and they use that at low levels of light using LED or lasers. So when you go to like a dermatologist or something and they give you a red light treatment, that's the kind of thing they're doing. Exactly. And they did also find, uh, as with yellow light, the evidence for the role in photo aging is limited, but some studies have demonstrated photoprotective benefits, but nothing about hair growth. Looks like the bottom line on this is you don't have to worry about using these uh, red laser light hair growth products on your head and face because uh, they're probably not going to have an effect of growing more hair on your face or on your head. Exactly. Perry, do you know what's so cool about Natasha from Tanzania and all of our other fans? No matter what we talk about, we it applies. No matter where you live, the science applies. The, the cosmetic science is universal, transcends geographies, brands, cultures. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, the, the, the chemistry doesn't change or the physics doesn't change in this case either. Exactly. You know it does change, though. The next question? The, the questions do. So <laughs> we've, got, we've, got, we've got another audio question. Shall we hear that one? Hi, Beauty Brains. My name is Holly. I'm a loyal listener in Los Angeles. I have a question. Are there any at-home facials that are as good as a facial you would get from an esthetician? Thanks. Bye. Great question, Holly. And me personally, I find value in an esthetician. Yes, you can give yourself a home facial with products that are probably just as good as you would get from an esthetician, meaning you can exfoliate your skin, you can cleanse your skin, you can do extractions on your own skin, you can reset your skin to have a moisturizer put back on. You can give yourself facial massages. You can do all of those things at home. But where I think going to an esthetician is a little more valuable is that you can get treatments that are not available to the consumer applied to your skin. A great example would be peels. Yes, while you can't exfoliate your skin at home, it really only does so much. You can only purchase so many strong things. You really need to go to an esthetician to get these peels that are uh, selected for your skin type based on what's going on with your skin. And they have a really crazy strength of effective acids uh, that can, can really help take more layers of your skin off or really help brighten your skin uh, more quickly and more so than what you would get on a consumer level. Now, the fact that it's a professional product or it's being done to you, does that change like the levels of ingredients that they could use? For example, you can't go to the drugstore and buy like a really high concentration glycolic acid or something like that. Yeah, uh, professional products do have some special percentages of ingredients that they are allowed to use uh, at a consumer level. And also, I think even just from a safety standpoint, Um, a cosmetic chemist or a manufacturer is probably not going to create, for example, a, you know, a 5% retinol solution, you know, for the consumer that could, could really injure them. Right. So just even from a, from a safety and ethics point of view, I, you know, I don't know that too many companies that would produce that, 
uh, for consumer brands. I'm sure there's some companies that will do that and sell it on Amazon, but we don't encourage you to buy from that. Exactly. And what I also like about going to the esthetician is that I generally also find that they can do extractions better. I go to a gal, uh, the modern you in LA, and she is an amazing extractionist. I don't know what the term is, but basically she can get everything out of your pores. And I usually make her show me everything she's pulling out in a little pile. (laughs) And I think I'm the only person she does it for, but it was just like, what? is in my face. One time she pulled something orange out of my face. It was Did you put it on a slide orange. and look it at a microscope or something? That's a good idea. <laughs> you can see the living microbiome on Valerie's face. That could be our Instagram post. Yeah. And the, the last reason I like facials is that they give you a moment to pamper yourself. You're laying on a bed. You're typically in a serene space. You have someone else touching your skin. It's just really relaxing and really nice. So yes, you could give yourself a facial at home. I think you can probably get some higher strength products from a professional that are tailored to your skin, for example, peels. Uh, But you're also missing out on this truly Zen experience where you are laying on a table and you can't move for an hour. Yeah, if your goal is to the, the final effect, yeah, you could probably, the facial you do at home could probably almost match what you get for the professional but as far as the experience goes you know being pampered is it's just going to be a much nicer experience and in addition to the end result the experience of using a product is part of the beauty product process exactly you know this is interesting to me though this this question raised some other questions about what are the some things that are worth doing with professionals or just doing yourself you know, for example, exfoliating. I guess you could do microdermabrasion. That's probably going to be better with somebody than taking a device and doing it at home, right? Yeah. What about shampooing? Right. Shampooing, I don't think you can get better. You know, it is nice to sometimes, you know, sometimes I get my hair cut and they'll wash my hair and, and sometimes that's nice, but I don't think it's actually going to be better, right? But I'll tell you what is better, the blowout. So maybe the shampooing oh. isn't, but the blowout when right. they actually finish your hair, when someone else can get leverage on your hair and pull it really tense sure. and smooth it out. I think having a salon professional blow dry your hair looks way better than when you do it yourself. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I blow dried my hair, but, <laughs> but I don't have, yeah. it's I have short hair. <laughs> so nice to have done. Oh my gosh. How about uh, another at-home product uh, would be like coloring your hair? I know there's a huge at-home color market, but is it better to have it done by a professional or can you do just as good at home? Well, I think it depends what you're doing. If you're doing a single process color, meaning you take one box of color and you pop it all over your head, I think Mm -hmm. at-home is just fine. The chemicals in at-home hair color are, for the most part, you know, the actual chemistry of how it works is just the same as salon professional. I think there's some formulation nuance differences that make salon professional a little, you know, a little, uh, you know, better from a different perspective. Uh, but I think single process is fine. If you're lightening your hair at home, I probably don't recommend that. I would recommend going to a salon for that. If you want a special technique or a special look to your hair where you want darker roots and lighter ends like balayage, I I would leave that to the professionals. And that's because 
Someone else can look at your hair and understand where to place the color. They can provide technique, uh, where to place it on the hair to have you looking your best. Unless you're very, very skilled, which is not, you know, I think unique to 98% of the population, you're probably not going to do as great of a job in getting the look that you want at home. You probably need a professional and they have a, a, a repertoire of products that they can use that consumers don't have access to as well to create these looks. And it's also getting you know, your, your hands behind your head and you can't yeah. see and just the application. It just seems a little quirky, which does remind me of joke. If you go to a barber shop and one guy has really bad hair and the other guy has really good hair, who should you get your hair cut by? The guy with the good, no, the guy with the bad hair. Exactly, because obviously they cut each other's hair, <laughs> and the guy with the bad hair is That's getting a the good bad haircuts. That's a good <laughs> yeah, life tip. Go. What about nail polish? Getting your nails done. Well, I don't do a lot of nail po- nail polish my own, but it seems to me this is something that a person could get pretty good at on their own. At least on doing one hand, but if you got to do both hands, it, it seems like having somebody else do it is is going to be better, right? Yeah, probably takes some practice, or especially like if you're getting um, acrylic nails or fake nails yeah. or something really advanced or nail art, you know, it might be sure. better to have someone else do. But yeah, certainly you could do your own. Yeah, I mean, as far as the products that you can buy, nail polish you get at the store is going to be this pretty much the same chemistry as nail polish that you have done at you know the salon right exactly the other one i can think of is hair straightening that is one best left to the professionals and that is because typically the only really good hair straightening systems are available professional only Uh, they're meant to be professional services additionally with hair straightening you need really good leverage on your hair you need sections that make sense you need you need someone else doing your hair, I believe, with hair straightening to help you uh, get through it. It's usually a long process, and application and technique are really key to the success. It's it's usually the product helps, but the technique makes it look good and makes it last. So that's another one where I would say, eh, probably best left to the pros. I thought of one more. Okay. Um, you can get these products at home, but self-tanners. You can get it at home. But it seems to me it's better to just go get that done because they have that quick spray, right? And- yeah. I'll tell you why. I agree. And okay. <laughs> maybe not. Because you saw that episode of Friends, <laughs> which is one of the <laughs> no. funniest ones. <laughs> so listen, in getting ready for our Florida trip, I was like, I should apply some self-tanner to my legs because I don't want to be so pale-legged when I'm speaking at this conference. Sure, sure. And I thought I did a great job prepping my skin, exfoliating, getting it ready. And I had the world's darkest ankles, (laughs) feet, knees. My shins were not colored at all. And And you refused to wear socks. I spent so much time researching, doing, and I was just like, you know what? I got to get better at this because this does not look good. And so basically I spent the first week of wearing this self tanner, like trying to scrub all of it off. But I feel like it's just something that takes practice and you really just, you got to be good at it. You you can get good, but if you don't do it that often, leave it to the pros. (laughs) 
Yeah. We have time for one more question, right? Yeah, this question is actually related. It says, hi, Valerie and Perry. I listen to your show each week and love it. And I've reached out regarding skincare questions in the past. And Perry has always answered. Oh, that was nice of you. <laughs> this question, however, is within Valerie's wheelhouse and it relates to hair. Because Ooh. I have a lot less hair. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, also funny because a... you have worked at a hair company, too. I feel I, like we're I both have, hair yeah, people. Yeah. yeah. And in 2005, I had the most shampooed head in America, self-declared a code, but I just shampooed my head 1,500 times. I don't <laughs> imagine there's anybody who had more than that, right? Anyway, back to the question. There is a girl I know who tells me I am wasting my money going to a hairdresser when you can just cut your own hair. She cuts her own hair using the ponytail method along with random scissors she finds in the kitchen drawer. Uh... This doesn't sound right to me. I would think that, first of all, she is using the wrong equipment. And secondly, how can you cut evenly with the ponytail method? When your hair is bunched up in a ponytail, wouldn't it just be starting off with an uneven base? Is this correct? Am I really wasting my money at a hairdresser? Thank you. And this comes to us from Jen. Have you cut your own hair before, Valerie? I used to trim my own bangs and... They were always a little crooked, I do have to say, because of how I would hold them and then, you know, but just slightly. And then I, you know, I would, I would do it, but I feel like Jen is absolutely right. There are some things in most cases, best left to the pros and haircutting is one of them. Now, some people could be really good at cutting their hair and they have a specific hairstyle that they're able to maintain that pretty easily and it works for them. But everyone has different shaped heads. Everyone has different shaped haircuts that they're looking for. And everyone's hair wears differently. And I know some people who have really curly hair, they cut it themselves and it it works great for them. But if you have, let's say, you know, a sophisticated bob or a shag, you might not know the right places to cut your hair to debulk it or to let it turn in towards your face or, or stuff like that. So... I think sometimes it's better to have someone with experience shaping hair uh, provide the haircut for you. There's definitely a skill involved. And in fact, to become a hairdresser, you actually have to go through courses and be certified. And spend, by the way, hundreds of hours, you know, learning how to do this and pass a state board. So, yeah. And I would agree that you could... You know, get a pair of scissors and look in a mirror and chop away. And if you're, you know, if you wear a baseball cap like I always do, <laughs> you probably, probably don't need it. But, but you know, I do like to walk across the street to this this guy who doesn't speak English, but he only charges like five bucks for a haircut. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And for me, you know, I have really long hair, and I go in to to get regular trims to keep it healthy. And he's always like, oh, we're getting a little bulky here or uneven here, or I had breakage here. And he's always cleaning up the shape a little bit and it makes a huge difference. And I would never be able to see that myself. So it's not just about cutting the hairs. It's, it's making the hair look really good. And again, some people make it work for them. I think a lot of people probably wouldn't. The other thing is the right tools are important to the hair health and having a really sharp, good pair of shears is one of them. And I can tell you Scissors in the kitchen drawer probably are not it. They have too uh, big and blunt of an edge. I remember one time I was doing a hair color training um, seminar and someone asked me a question uh, really about a product that Rand had developed and, and split ends. 
And I was like, you're talking to the girl who trims my split ends in the car with fingernail clippers. And the audience <laughs> almost passed out. Yeah. And I was like, well, how else would I cut them? <laughs> right. I'm in the car. I see them. I have fingernail clippers. I cut them. So anyway, it's really important to use the right tools so that you don't uh, develop more split ends. And that's the downside to it. If you're using scissors that are not properly sharpened or dull, you can actually, I mean, you could cut the hair, but it could cut it in a way that leaves it jagged and then it turns into a split end. So you could be creating your own split ends. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So don't feel like you're wasting your money if you're happy going to your hairstylist and you love the way your hair is being cut. Keep going. Uh, if you feel like you could do it, you could try it yourself. Just, you know, if you don't have experience, be prepared to go in for a correction. The ponytail method sounds to me like a, a, an offshoot of the bowl method where you just put a cereal bowl on your head and trim around, right? Yeah. You know, one time I... Uh, <laughs> ask someone why I just couldn't put my hair into a ponytail and and cut it kind of like this. And the stylist yeah. was like, we're going to sit you down and come to Jesus <laughs> right now because that is not how hair should be cut. But You know how anyway. hair should be cut? With a Flowbee, a vacuum cleaner <laughs> and a Flowbee. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Could you imagine someone was like, I have a really good idea. Somebody had that idea and they put it on TV and they sold a lot of them. And they made a Boy, lot of well. money. They, they did. Good but for they them. don't have the Flowbee anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. We'll have to see if we can still get that thing. <laughs> we will. We'll do a Flowbee experiment when I come out to L.A. I'll cut your hair with one. Sounds like the music right there. It does. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, everyone. The Beauty Brains are on Patreon, and you can support us by going to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe. And we'd like to thank all of our patrons who help keep the show ad-free. Uh, you know, I've always hate those podcast ads, <laughs> but I, I understand they help support a lot of uh, podcasts, and that's a, a nice way to monetize a show. But we try not to do that because, it, you know, we're going to have to take money from big cosmetics and then we can't say what we want about them so we take no money from cosmetic companies and so we rely on you to support the show one thing i can't wait to do perry is show our appreciation for our patrons continuing to do that throughout the year doing live webinars with them answering their questions on demand continuing to post our podcast episodes super early and doing more giveaways. I know we've given away books in the past, but one thing our fans have said is they would love to do more product giveaways. And we're going to do just that for the month of May. We are proud to partner up with Vrea Cosmetics founded by Alexandra Patora, a dear friend of mine and a brand that I've worked with in the past. They are going to give away to one of our lucky patrons, a full set of their products that includes the concealer in your shade a set of under eye mask masks. I think they're a five pack and their new product that's coming out at the end of the month, which we can't name yet uh, because we don't know what it is. Uh, we will get to announce that winner March 31st. So stay tuned for more details about how to enter in that giveaway. Wow. That's exciting. Hey, if you get a chance, uh, head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. That's going to help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of new beauty questions to answer. And if you have a question, want to hear your voice on the show, just record it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. 
and eventually it will get on the show. <laughs> I mean, if we if we can answer the question. That is. Yeah. Also, don't forget to follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at the Beauty Brains 2018. On Twitter, we're at the Beauty Brains, and we have a Facebook page as well as a future TikTok. Coming soon. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Kittens.